Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health podcast with Brevin and Maddie, where we get into everything fitness, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. Welcome to another episode of the Unfuck Your Health podcast with Brevin and Maddie, where we get into everything fitness, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. How you doing today, Maddie? Things are going good. Uh, just recovered from COVID, so that's cool. That's always good. COVID <laughs> sucks. Um, and we just spent... So in full transparency, um, we're both pretty bad at technology. And uh, we just spent probably the last 10 or 15 minutes trying to get GarageBand to work where we record the podcast. Um, and we were like, this is, this is bullshit. This isn't working. I don't understand what's going on. And then I had the amazing revolution or revelation. Revelation, that's the word. Uh we traveled with our mics to Arizona. We were planning on a podcast down there, um, and apparently, in travel, they got turned off. And to be fair, these mics, when you plug them in, have a blue light that pop on, and the blue light was on, but the mic wasn't on. So, yeah, we spent about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes trying to figure out why they weren't working and the mics weren't on. So I hope that makes you feel better about your day. So, yeah, the blue light means that it's powered like it's turned into the power source or plugged into the power source not that it's actually turned on so we're we're really stupid which is which is really cool um so we're going to give you information on training nutrition now um so today we're going to do a q a podcast we both posted on our stories this past couple weeks Mm -hmm. um getting a couple questions um and some questions that some of our clients have asked us um that we want to do a little bit more um long form content um and that's the great thing about the podcast so we're doing a QA and a today. Um, we have, I believe, four questions that we're going to go over. Um, so I'm ready whenever you are. All right. So the first one is like the importance of protein timing and how much can you really digest within one meal? So this is the question that I get all the time, and I'm sure you've gotten this. Um, and, and there's so much out there on protein timing. You have to hit the anabolic window, bro. Um, but really, it, it's all bullshit for the most part. Um, a lot of the stuff it, like that is, is really just blown out of proportion and kind of bullshit. Um, you can digest and absorb as much protein as you eat. Now, how well is it going to be utilized or what is it going to be utilized for is a different story. Um, there is a max anabolic cap. So anabolism or anabolic, if you ever hear that word, um, is you kind of think about it as growth where catabolism is going to be like breakdown. So uh, there is a max anabolic cap, which can be anywhere from like 20 to 50 or 60 grams that you can actually use for muscle protein synthesis. But there's a lot of other benefits outside of muscle protein synthesis for protein. And uh, some of those are going to be like, um, it's got a higher thermic effect. Um, so you have that thermogenesis where you're actually burning more calories, digesting it. So if you're in a deficit, probably a good idea to be eating a little bit more protein. Um, it's going to help keep you full longer, again, in a deficit. If your goal is weight loss, that's why we always say that calories and protein are going to be the two most important things. It's going to keep you full longer, and you're going to burn more calories while you're eating it. Um, and you're going to maximize your muscle protein synthesis at each meal because you are eating a lot of protein. Um, so now what I recommend for people is to take your total protein for the day. So let's say you're eating 160 grams of protein, and you decide, okay, well, I want to eat and I can eat four meals a day. Perfect. Let's split that up evenly across each meal. Um, now you're making sure that you're, you're in that 20 to 50 grams right there. So you know that you are maximizing muscle protein synthesis. You're spreading it out throughout the day. Um, so there's not really a period where you're going a long time without eating. Um, so again, it's stimulated pretty much throughout the day. 
and then you're not getting too crazy full from protein at each meal Um, because that's one of the complaints I heard is um, that or having digestive issues. If you eat like 60, 100 grams of protein at one meal, it can throw off digestion a little bit. But if you spread that out across the day, you're, you're going to be good. And then it makes it really easy to ha- kind of hit your protein goal. If you're supposed to have what, 40 grams of protein each meal, that's the math, right? Yeah. Um, math's not my strong suit, and apparently neither is technology, but that's beside the point. Um, we like exercise and nutrition. But if you were able to take that 40 grams and say, okay, well, at breakfast, I only had 30. Cool. At your next meal, try to get 10 more or spread that out again throughout the day. So you're getting, okay, in your head, I need a little bit more protein at each meal now um, because I was a little under at this meal. And it just makes it really easy to kind of track and hit your protein that way. Um, but at the end of the day, it really doesn't fucking matter as long as your total protein intake for the day is where it needs to be. So if it's something where, again, you're just trying to go for weight loss or you want to look a little bit better, feel a little bit better, perform a little bit better, then it really, really doesn't matter. Um, as long as your intake for the day is where it needs to be. Now, if you're trying to be the most optimal in every sense of the word, then okay, let's let's try to make sure you're getting an even amount of protein throughout the day, so it's maximally stimulate or stimulated. Um, you're between that 20 and 50 grams at each meal, so you might need to, if you're a bigger person. Um, I eat like 230 grams of protein a day, um, so me eating 50 grams at each meal is going to be over that cap. So I might have to have five or six meals. Um, again, to keep it stimulated and hit my goal for the day. But if you're just general lifestyle, then you're going to be fine as long as your protein intake for the day is fine. Um, the biggest thing I see with people is it affecting digestion if they try to eat too much at one meal. So you just spread it out a little bit more. Um, but that's protein timing in a nutshell. It is way overblown and it really doesn't need to be. All right. The next question was talking about meal timing throughout the day, specifically timing out carbs throughout the day and how much that matters. So again, same with protein. Um, At the end of the day, your total intake is going to be the most important, especially if your goal is body composition. Now, if your goal is performance or you're stepping on a bodybuilding stage or something like that, then obviously we have to be a little bit more dialed in. Um, Your actions have to meet your goals. If your goals literally look better, feel better, function better, just go to the beach and feel confident, then it really doesn't matter all that much as long as your intake for the day um, is where it needs to be. Um, And again, if we're getting picky about things, um, which we'll get a little bit into that for this question, uh, I would say that we want the majority of our carbs, because that's kind of where this question was going, was specifically carbs, meal timing throughout the day, and does that even matter? Um, So if we're going to be picky about it, I would take your carbs and put them around your workout, the majority of your carbs around your workout. We already kind of talked about protein throughout the day. Um, so carbs right around your workout. So in a pre-workout meal, generally one to two hours before you go and work out 20 to 50 grams of protein. And then I would put anywhere from 20 to 40 grams of car or 20 to 40% of your total daily intake of carbs at that meal. Wow. That was a mouthful. Um, (laughs) and then I would limit fats before, um, you go and work out because they do slow digestion and it's not fun to work out with food on your stomach. Um, I hate deadlifting with food on my stomach. I absolutely cannot do it. I feel like shit when I do it. I've also scrolled through uh, social media recently and seen a good amount of deadlifting videos where people are puking. So that's all that much more of a reason to not fill your stomach before lifting, especially heavy. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to feel gassy or anything like that when I'm trying to deadlift. That is just not fun. Um, Shout out Caitlin. Um, She was very gassy at the gym last night. So if you're (laughs) listening to this, what's up? I'm sure she appreciates that shout out. (laughs) That's what what we're here for. 
Um, so then your post-workout meal is going to be one to three hours post-workout. Um, again, about 20 to 50 grams of protein, kind of following that same thing from question number one. Um, then I would still stick with about 20 to 40 grams of your total daily carbs. And then you can throw some fats in there because it doesn't matter as much if we're slowing digestion there. So the majority of your workout, you can have up to 80% of your carbs around your workout because your carbs are going to, especially if you're, you're lifting, which is who we're talking to is people that are lifting. If you're not lifting, then start lifting. CrossFit sucks. But uh, no, in all reality though, carbs are going to be your preferred, your body's preferred fuel source for exercise. So we want to make sure that you have the most amount of that fuel on board. And then we want to replenish that as soon as you're done with that exercise. Um, and then we can get into intra workout carbs. Um, so this is something that's really cool. Um, this is where you see like, uh, us weirdos eating in between our sets, um, eating candy or something. Or it's not cereal. like I'm eating sour patch kids or gummy bears. No, it's exactly <laughs> what she's doing. 100%. Uh, my favorite is sour strips. Shout out Max tuning. Please come on the podcast. You're awesome. Bring dude. Um, but if you guys tag him in this, that would be fucking awesome. He is super cool. If you don't have any sour strips yet, go and get them. We're not sponsored yet, hopefully. Not yet. Manifest. Um, but they're at Target. You can order them online. Sour strips are awesome. Mango's the best flavor. Um, I do like the mango. There's not a bad flavor. Um, in all reality, they're really fucking good. But if you have s simple carbs during your workout, so something that's going to be easily digestible, so it's not going to upset your stomach, and it's a, it's a quick carb source that's going to break down into glycogen really quick to replenish those stores in your muscles. Um, so things like candy, like sour strips or sour patch kids or fucking jelly beans. I also whatever. have Gatorade too. Yeah. That's uh cereal, carb powders, Gatorade fruit, something that is again, easily digestible and is going to quickly replenish the glycogen stores that you are depleting during exercise. Um, and honestly it might be overblown because it does take still a little bit for that to actually digest and get into your bloodstream and be useful for you during exercise. But for me, really, um, I know it, it does have some benefit, but mostly it's a mental benefit for me is like, okay, I'm eating. I feel better. I, I have a little bit more energy. Now the placebo effect is a real fucking thing and it's super cool. Um, so something you can utilize in your workouts, especially if you are working out for three hours like us, um, do not recommend, but powerlifting is hard, <laughs> but again, all of it's going to be come down to your individual goals. Are you in a surplus, a deficit, a maintenance? Cause that's really going to affect your, your meal timing, um, your meal frequency, um, what we want to compose each meal of and what your individual macros are. So if you guys have any, uh, actual direct questions that you want us to answer for you, feel free to send us a DM, um, send us an email, whatever it's all linked in the show notes. And we will go ahead and answer that for you specifically. If you have any, any questions, if this doesn't take care of that for you. All right. The next question is how do I stop binging? Mostly when I feel like I can't control myself. This is a fantastic question, um, and this is definitely something that I've dealt with in my past, um, but I know a lot of the clients that I work with um, have some binging issues, so I think this is a great question. Um, so the first thing that I would say is build awareness. Um, that's, again, something we talk about a lot. If you've listened to the podcast, you've heard us say awareness a million times, and it's probably annoying at this point, but hopefully you understand awareness is very important. So who, what, when, where, why? Ask those questions. Who are you doing it with? Where are you at when you're doing it? What are you doing it with? Why are you doing it? How do you feel when you're doing it? Those are all good questions. Um, I think becoming painfully self-aware, especially around something like this, is going to be very, very beneficial because then you can know like, okay, what are my triggers? What is causing me to do it? How do I feel when I do it? Um, I really don't like it. I do it when I have this situation um, or when I'm emotional or whatever it is. And you can start to take yourself out of those situations. Um, 
Now, there's a couple reasons that I normally see people binging. Um, so the first one is going to be a poor relationship with their self um, or their identity. So do you identify as a binge, binge eater? Um, are you constantly telling yourself that you are a binge eater or are you binge eating? Those are two very different things. So if you're constantly telling yourself like, yeah, no, I'm a binge eater, you're, you're going to, you go a couple weeks without it and it starts to challenge your identity a little bit of like, oh, I'm a binge eater and I haven't binge ate in three weeks, four weeks, a month, whatever it is, four weeks is a month. Um, you know what I mean? But then you're, you're subconsciously going to want to go back to that identity. You, your body, your mind does not like to, to be out of the ordinary, out of your identity. So it's going to want to fall back into those old habits. Um, we are very, very habit-based creatures. As much as you might not think you are, our body loves routine, loves habit, so you're going to want to fall back into that. So if that's why you're identifying as, that's what you're going to do. Um, a lot of our, and the other thing is going to be, uh, as far as relationship with yourself is, are you shit talking yourself a lot? You have a lot of negative self-talk. Are you telling yourself that you can't do this, that you're not going to do this, that you're, you can't not binge eat, that you're, you're just broken because a lot of our action is subconscious. So if you're sub, if you're telling yourself these things, that internal self-talk, then you're going, you're subconsciously going to take actions to do that. So don't identify as that. We have to change our identity a little bit to we can do this. We are not a binge eater. We binge eight. Those are two very different things. Um, the second one is going to be a poor relationship with food. Um, so this is a super, super common one that I see is people over restrict, 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 restrict. They're on these really harsh um, or really restrictive diets or they label food as good and bad. And that is going to lead to a binge inevitably. If you say ice cream is bad, ice cream makes you fat, ice cream is the worst but you love ice cream and you constantly tell yourself, I can't have it. I can't have it. I can't have it. It's going to lead to a binge. You're going to want that. It's inevitable at that point that you are going to binge on ice cream. We are not very good at willpower. Unfortunately, as much as you might think you are, we are going to give in to that urge. So we have to really, really improve on that relationship with food. And this is where we take all of our clients through the metabolism revive framework. And one of our pillars is working on that relationship with food is rebuilding that is not labeling things as good or bad is never having to restrict or eliminate your favorite foods to have success. You should be able to incorporate those things and still have success on your fitness journey. Um, and then number three is going to be, um, emotionally driven binging. So a lot of us will use binge eating as a an outlet for emotions and we we feel sad, we feel upset, we feel pissed off, whatever emotion you're feeling and you you utilize food to feel that emotion or to feel that and replace that emotion because you don't want to deal with that emotion. So we have to start to hold space for those emotions. Um, you have to start to deal with that shit. So um, one question I like to ask people is, what would you tell your friend if they're going through something and they turn to food for this is would you tell them to shut up and just go eat and don't think about it? No, you'd say, okay, Hey, how are you feeling? What does that make you feel? What can we do? Um, you start to talk them through the process. You'd start to help them process and deal with those emotions. You wouldn't say shut up and go eat because that's what they're doing to themselves is hey, shut up. Don't talk about this. Don't deal with it. It's, it's easier to just go crush those emotions with food. And that is leading to you constantly binging. And then you feel like shit and then you binge more. It's a very vicious cycle to find yourself into. Um, so you have to start to take time to like sit and process shit, sit and process your emotions. That shit's really fucking hard to do. But if you do it again, become aware, 
And then you can sit and start to process this stuff and it makes it way better. Um, another technique I like is journaling, literally write shit down. I have a journal right here. It's got my to-do list in it. I journal every morning. Um, I write affirmations in it. I do all of this shit in it and I carry it around with me pretty much all the time at this point. Um, and it's been super, super helpful for me. Um, I love to have clients journal and do stuff like that. I think it's very powerful to just get that shit out on paper because it's hard to kind of process that and have that talk with yourself in your head. But if you write it down, you can be very real, very vulnerable with that. And then you can read it back and be like, oh shit, okay, that makes sense. Now you're kind of talking to a friend again. Again, you wouldn't tell your friend to just shut up and go eat. Um, so sit and process, go on a walk and process, whatever it is, journal it but you have to deal with those emotions and you have to find a place to hold space for them and not just shove them down and pretend they don't exist. Um, and then lastly, um, one of my mentors and, and friends, Jared Hamilton actually did a podcast. Uh, we actually had him on here, the Hamilton train podcast, um, on self-sabotage. And I thought it was great. So I wanted to use the analogy that he used. Um, it was the, you have your body or you are kind of like an internal thermostat. Um, so if we think of a thermostat, we have it set at 65 degrees in our house, but we leave the door open and it's really hot outside. We'll say it's summer and it's 80 degrees out and it starts to push that temperature in the house up, that thermostat up. You go from 65, 70, 75, 80, you start to heat your life up a little bit. Good things start to happen. Um, but that thermostat's going to say, oh shit, that's not where it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be up there and it's going to knock you back down. It's going to start to bring that temperature back down. It's going to kick the AC on and it's going to cool you back down. And that's kind of that self-sabotage. So you start ever notice, and what I see with people a lot is they notice this in their fitness journey, um, but then they start to realize it's transcending to other areas of their life. So if you've ever had something good go on in your life, if you've ever had... Um, like the most amount of money in your bank account ever. And then all of a sudden, two months later, you're like, what the fuck? I'm broke. Um, or on your fitness journey, you're like every time I lose 10, 15, 20 pounds, whatever it is, I fuck up. Let's self-sabotage right there. Those again, you're, you are a habit based creature. So you fall into those old habits, even subconsciously. So we have to start to break that pattern. We have to start to change our own internal thermostat and raise that temperature for ourselves. Otherwise, every time we start to heat up a little bit in our life, whether it's fitness journey, work, finances, whatever, it's going to knock back down. The AC is going to kick on. And it's going to knock us back down. That's that self-sabotage. Again, build some fucking awareness. I think that is huge. But then we have to start to change our identity. We start to have, have to hold place for our emotions, improve our relationship with food, and then change our own internal thermostat and allow ourselves the ability to level up. One of my favorite analogies for this, um, and I've been using it a lot lately, is you have to kill the old version of you to allow that new version of you room to grow because if that old version of you is there, you're going to continue to fall into those old habits that have gotten you to the point where you currently are that you don't like. So that's where we have to find that new identity. We have to start saying new things to ourselves. That's why I think the journaling is super important is you can start to visually see, visually see the same damn thing. Um, but you can start to see that you are changing, you're changing your identity. You're becoming that person that you want to become. So that is how, um, I like to talk people through, um, binging and, fixing that issue. It's not an easy process. It takes time, but if you dedicate time to that process, you will thank yourself in the end. That is all we have time for on this Q and a, um, we will definitely be doing these in the future. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, so if you guys listening to this, um, do come up with any questions, feel free to DM either me or Maddie, and we'll definitely get to your question. Um, anything we get asked, um, we'll definitely make sure we get it on one Q and a or another. Um, I think this is a great way to kind of answer long form content for you guys, which is what I love to do. Um, so we will definitely be doing this again in the future. 
Um, so like I said, just send us a message, but if you guys are listening to this podcast before April 24th, um, I do have a pretty special announcement. I am running a momentum building challenge. So this is kind of a twist on like a normal fat loss or 21 day challenge that you see out in the industry a lot. Um, as you guys know, listening to this podcast, I fucking hate quick fixes. I think they're bullshit and they're just a way to get that instant gratification and you're not actually really learning anything there. You're not getting results that last forever. And that's not what we're here for. Um, that's completely what we're against. So the momentum building challenge is really about creating a foundation. Um, if you think of a house, if you have a poor foundation, the house is going to fall over. So we want to build a really, really solid foundation for you, build habits so that you can create that momentum to take this in your own hands, to take your fitness journey in your own hands and finally start having success. So if you guys are interested in joining the momentum building challenge, um, either send us a message or I will link the sign up form in the show notes here. Again, Registration ends on April 24th, so get in there as soon as you can. Um, I hope to see you guys inside the challenge. We'll be doing weekly live trainings inside of my Facebook group. Um, if you guys aren't inside the Fat Loss Forever Facebook group, you should definitely hop in there as well. Um, that is kind of my quote-unquote home base for all of my content. So if you like long-form content like this, I do weekly live trainings inside of there. Um, we just did one on self-sabotage, which I thought was really, really good. We got pretty in-depth on that. Um, well, I post in there pretty much every single day, but we'll have some guests on during this uh, momentum building challenge. We'll be doing live trainings, cash giveaways, coaching giveaways. I'm giving away three months of free coaching to someone inside of the challenge. And, um, I will be giving away gift cards at the weekly, um, live trainings. So if you guys do want to hop in there again, it will be linked in the show notes, jump into the momentum building challenge and let's fucking go. As always, we want to thank you guys for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you could leave us a five-star rating and review, that would be awesome. It's only going to help the algorithm push our podcast a little bit more so we can reach some more people and help stop some of the bullshit that's out there. Because as we know, there's a lot of bullshit in the industry, and it's really hard to decipher what's good and what's bad information. So on this podcast, that is our goal, is to get rid of the bullshit in the industry, to unfuck your health, to teach you everything, training, nutrition, mindset. And, and really help you on your fitness journey. If you guys could do me a favor, take a screenshot of this, post it on your story, tag Maddie and I, we'll reshare your story, say thank you for listening. We just wanna see who's out there and listening. Again, thank you guys for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. We do really appreciate it.